Sustainability. It's more, of course, than mere economic sustainability. But it's also more than ecological sustainability alone, which, thankfully, has become the focus of so many initiatives lately. To take a more holistic look at the idea of sustainability, you need to include two additional dimensions, human and social sustainability. So if you want to run a truly sustainable hospitality business, you need to A, look after your guests with excellent service for sustained economic success, B, minimize your environmental impact for ecological sustainability, and three and four, look after the well-being of your staff and the local communities you interact with for social and human sustainability. My name is Lydia Vanderbroek, and I wanted to find out what the best practices are around great service, people development, and ecological sustainability in the field of hospitality and tourism. So I talked to real people in real businesses to hear about real solutions to real challenges, and I'm happy to share their learnings with you. So if you want to become more sustainable, I invite you to listen in to our conversations and pick out some of the gold nuggets that you can hopefully then use in your own operation. And as a side note, every one of my guests has offered to make themselves available for a more in-depth conversation. So by all means, do reach out, connect, and together, let's make hospitality and tourism more sustainable. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to David Leventhal. David has such an impressive CV, you're going to love it. Among other things, he has founded Playa Viva Resort. Playa Viva is a regenerative eco-luxury hotel located on the southern Pacific coast of Mexico. It operates under the model of regeneration in which the hotel goes beyond green, which means doing less damage, beyond sustainable, meaning net neutral, and actually regenerates the surrounding land and community by restoring what has been lost. They also simultaneously foster educational and economic opportunities in the surrounding communities. Now, not only that, David has also founded Regenerative Travel, which is a shared benefit corporation. It's also a booking platform providing marketing and hospitality services to a network of over 50 independently owned eco-luxury boutique hotels dedicated to the highest level of social and environmental impact. They are located in over 24 countries worldwide, and I hope to be talking to each one of them to hear what they're doing. David was actually my very first interview partner. And while I wasn't going to hide this fact, I also wasn't going to bring it up as well in the interview. Well, as you'll see, that didn't work out. David was a fantastic source of information. He's a very generous and very knowledgeable interview partner, as you would say. I took plenty of notes and you might want to pull out your pen and paper as well as you're listening to this conversation. So enjoy. Well, David, first of all, good morning. I know it's early morning. morning for you. Have you had your cup of coffee yet? I have. Thank you. You have it at hand. Okay. Am I catching you at the hotel? Is this your office? This is my home office in the San Francisco Bay Area. So all right. I was just down at the hotel last week. Okay. Uh, I'm heading to Cartagena next week and then visiting with another hotel that's in the regenerative 
travel network and then heading back to Playa Viva for another couple of weeks. Okay. Well, I mean, this is like gold for me. Now, of course, you don't know this because I just threw this at you and you were generous enough to accept it. But I'm doing this. I'm doing this, all I'm doing right now on LinkedIn, and I started this group around sustainability, ecological, people development, excellence in hospitality. I'm doing all this because I'm involved in a couple of projects that go that direction. And, you know, I did research. I've been out of the operations business, uh, hotel operations for a little bit. I've been more focusing on my on, on what I could do locally here, right? Without without all the traveling, all the madness that in, that that comes with hospitality. So I was trying to get all the information in around, especially around sustainability. And you know, I could find certain sites, and things have changed in the years since I since I left uh, operation hotel operations. But I couldn't find the place to go to if I wanted to now set up these projects in a sustainable way that I could just get inspiration and understand how other people are doing it. And so I figured, well, uh, other people are doing it already, so I'm just going to go ask them how they're doing it. Right? <laughs> it was really an ulterior, uh, so, uh, a selfish motive. And then I thought, well, if this is how I feel, maybe others are interested in knowing as well, how do I go about either turning my property, my business into a sustainable operation, or people are saying, you know, I'm going to start my business now. I want to do primarily hotel business, but some other tourism operations, and I want to do it in a sustainable way. How do I go about it? So I figured I compile these interviews here and offer them to whoever is interested so that they can pick from that well of experience already and then build on that, you know, ultimately hoping that this will make more and more uh, tourism operations more sustainable, right? So ultimately it's not going to be your, your standalone uh, USP anymore, but I guess it's in everybody's interest if a sustainable or regenerative operation is not something unique anymore, right? It's, it ought to be the only way to go forward, right? Or so I hope. So this is what I want to do. I want to pick everybody's brain and then share it and then hopefully grow a community of people who are into this and, and learn and, you know, learn from what you've done, work on that, build on that, and then we can help each other build a more sustainable hospitality industry. So this is what this was all about. But you were so generously jumped on this uh, before even knowing much more about what I was doing anyway. So as you can imagine, I do a lot of this. So uh, my quick question to you before we jump into me or our projects or what we're doing is who who have you interviewed who you really went like, wow. Nobody, and that has nothing to do with the people out there, but I'm literally starting this week with three interviews. Okay, so who, and, and am I your first? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. Well, let's hope you say wow then. I, I know I'm going to say wow because what you are doing from what I've read, and I, I try to educate myself, of course, is exactly what I was hoping these properties, they happen to be in East Africa that I'm involved with, would, you know, I was hoping they would go down that lane. Yeah. But who I have on the, you know, it's a, it's a very small group. I just started this winter to kind of 
Give me hope. I, I worked on that through the Corona winter here that we had. And I've only just started to put people together and invite them. And so I'm betting on the accumulating power of putting people together. That's what I'm betting on. Okay. Who, um, who else are you going to be interviewing? A couple of other hotel people. They're on the on the LinkedIn group. There are a couple of hoteliers that are already doing a nice job, mostly in East Africa so far. For some reason, it's just, you know, because this is my area where I, where I happen to work right now, although I'm married into a Mexican family. So really, Mexico is, is really our second home. And then there is Zumba Hospitality in Malaysia that are going to be on there as well that I've been in touch with. They're doing a good job as far as education is concerned, I think. Okay. But as soon as... You know, I'll put this, I'll, I'll post these interviews, if you will, on the LinkedIn group, right? So everybody, it's it's kind of an introduction. And then you can, you know, listen in to all the others, of course, as well. And the idea is that everybody finds something, it's just there, and I can read up, I can look it up, and, and I'm going to ask you what, you know, what can you offer to others? What can people call upon you for? And uh, maybe there will start uh, a connection between you and other hoteliers, more so than you already are doing, because you have uh, your network uh, already, as you mentioned. Excellent. Okay. So I don't, you probably didn't have the time. So I, I put up the first video already where I explained a little bit what I was doing. So just maybe two sentences about me. You probably didn't see it. So I come from the hotel business originally. Uh, I'm from Vienna, Austria originally, but I've lived many years in the States and I used to work with Four Seasons Hotels um, in Texas, in Hawaii, in Chicago for 10 years or so before I went back to Austria and in Austria, what I did is I, I I went back into the hospitality industry, but primarily catering, big time catering, like sports events catering, airline catering. And while Four Seasons was my, my regular, you know, working up the hotel career as a youngster back in Europe, I worked very much on developing training programs to get people trained to be ready for um, for the party service, for the catering business. Uh, so I, I worked together. We, we developed an academy there and we developed into a really good academy. So we developed methodologies to really teach young people very quickly and very effectively how to do a good job on the guest. So it's always my, my focus has always been excellent hospitality, no matter what. So it doesn't have to be a four seasons, five star hospitality in my book. It has to be good hospitality, great hospitality. It has to do something with people. Uh, if you don't trip over your feet and, and, and drop a tray of, of champagne, like I've did, I've done before, then that's even better. But how you deal with it what, when the tray uh, drops. What is good hospitality? What is hospitality? Good hospitality. It's my interview. <laughs> okay. Well, that is really the first question I was going to ask you. What's hospitality to you? I'm going to say if you were there first, so I'm going to answer. To me, it's really seeing the other person as a human in our in this time and age. So it has nothing to do with white gloves. Um, it has some to do with, uh, you know, nice accommodation and good food, but only to a certain degree. It's really the seeing of the other person and, you know, walking in the shoes of the other and saying, huh, okay, so hello, guest. What can I do to make your life nice and really mean it? 
Can you share your training materials with me, the Academy? Absolutely. Okay, good. All right, I will stop asking you questions. No, that's perfectly okay. Thank you for showing interest. So um, as far as accommodation is concerned, in my book, there is cheap hotels and and simple hotels. And you know the difference, right? So I moved away from the five-star white glove. It kind of makes me feel like, like that. So what, what I, and it's easy, right? If you have all the money and the silverware and all of the, all, all of that, it's relatively simple to impress guests, I think. Um, if you're taking that away, then it's really, of course, it needs to be nice and, 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 and the guest must feel comfortable, but then the, the human interaction is much more in the forefront, I think. So I like that in a hotel. Okay. So you, David, yes. as far as far as I could research, which of course isn't very deep, uh, despite the fact that supposedly everything is on the internet. Now you do not come from the hospitality industry originally, right? Well, I, I wasn't trained by the Cornell School of Hospitality. I did not go through the management training program of a Four Seasons or a big uh, hotel chain. What I did do is when I was 16, my first job was bussing tables so I could make enough money to pay for my gas and my insurance and have a car. And I worked at a fine dining restaurant and learned how to make flaming desserts as a teenager. I worked at a hamburger and beer joint at the corner of the two main streets of my university and helped pay for my college education and worked as a dishwasher, kitchen grunt, all right. Okay. Waiter, door person, bar back. So hospitality, you know, you learn a lot from working that way. That doesn't have to do with heads and beds per se. So, but yeah, I don't have a formal education in hospitality. Okay. Well, but this part of your CV doesn't show up in your LinkedIn profile, for example. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so you got the you got. I, I don't the, want to bore. I don't want to bore people with bus tables at the fog cutter restaurant <laughs> at sixteen. Yeah, I just plus with time, these CVs tend to become very, very long. Yeah, just just the highlights. <laughs> so, um, you say you and 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 then tell me some more about your how, how did you develop into who you are today? But maybe a step back. Can you describe who you are today and? how your project is set up. So we yeah. know you start out busing table, here you are today. So what is today for those who don't know you? Okay. My elevator pitch used to be, I'm a, I think I have five words. I'm a social and environmental impact entrepreneur and investor. So now I really just adjust that and say, I'm a regenerative entrepreneur and investor. And that journey really evolved from somebody who was in an entrepreneur and kind of in media and technology and got into hospitality more so around the same time that I got uh, involved in a conservation project. So I think somewhere buried in my CV is this project called Rainforest to Reef, which used to be Amigos de Calakmul, which is a jaguar conservation project that my wife and I started through a relationship with a guy named Gerardo Ceballos, who's a a biologist in Mexico who came to do a sabbatical up at Stanford University. And that's how I kind of got into being a conservationist. And then there's a lot there, but moving on, 
I met a guy by the name of Sean Paul through my involvement with Social Venture Network. And Sean was involved in conservation, but his perspective was that all conservation issues are really just people problems and their demands and needs from that environment. And unless you solve the people problems, you'll never never solve the environmental problems. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I became a dualist, you know, social and environmental impact. But really, once we started moving down the regenerative path, which involved my wife going off to Greenbuild when we bought the land that eventually became Playa Viva, looking for somebody who was aligned with our values in how to develop that property. And she met Bill Reed. And Bill's with a group called Regenesis. He was one of the founders of the USGVC, which is the LEED certification standard. And what he saw was, even if you're platinum, even if you're the highest level of LEED, you're still not a carbon neutral. So we're just destroying the planet at a slower rate. Mm-hmm. And that we really needed to move beyond destroying slower to being regenerative. So this was back in 2007. That transformation really happened back then. And, and that's when we moved down this path of developing Playa Viva in a regenerative way. And now you're going to ask me what's regeneration. Well, if, if that's what people ask you all the time, then please. Well, I, I mean, I think... The easy answer is go to regenerativetravel.com and download the paper on what is the white paper on regenerative travel. I think from a simplistic standpoint, it it involves a couple of things. Uh, One is whole systems thinking. You know, it's not just environment and people. There's There's a lot that goes into that. Another one is history of place, which is kind of like the more you know about me and where I came from, it informs our relationship going forward. And the same thing with a piece of land. If you, The more you understand how that land got to be the way it is, the more you understand your role in stewarding it going forward. Okay. And so that's an entire process that you need to go through related to place. And I think if you layer those on top of each other, you get the basics of whole system of uh, regeneration. And I think the next question is, is how is it different than sustainability? Have you had this conversation before, David? (laughs) Uh, Yes. And I guess that's what's called leading the witness when the witness is you. (laughs) So is regeneration a paradigm shift? Or is it just taking all the old stuff and just putting a new word around it? I talk a lot about how regeneration is aspirational nature and inclusive. Um, You can always be more green. You can always be more sustainable. You can always be more regenerative. Now, some people in regenerative travel or in the tourism business might argue that sustainability in business world or in lead certification might only mean capping it to a certain point. But in travel, it's always been more than that. And I, and I think that you can take that position if you want to. And from an aspirational inclusive basis, I've got no problem with that. But I do believe that there is a shift in how you think from a regenerative standpoint as opposed to a sustainable standpoint. And a core element of that that, that I would challenge on is kind of the concept of moving from scarcity to abundance. 
and how that touches on an extractive versus non-extractive model. And, you know, I would challenge you that some of these hotels that you're looking at, what they're really trying to do is create healthier local ecosystems, healthier economies, healthier people. And as long as whatever happens there is being extracted and taken to the Netherlands or to the United States or to wherever the extractor is, then at that point, there, you, you really, you could be sustainable there, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be regenerative. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, 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 yes. So I might have to reconsider my sustainable tourism approach here altogether. Oh, really it's okay. Can, uh, There's really nothing wrong with no, being sustainable. No, I've never. No, no. That's the, that's a very interesting way of thinking. That is surely going to be putting me to work. <laughs> and I'll download the white paper that you mentioned. Okay, so non-extraction, then very practically speaking, is what? It is reinvesting into the wealth of that ecosystem. So I I challenge, another challenge is see the movie, if you haven't seen it, Kiss the Ground. Mm -hmm. Kiss the Ground is about regenerative agriculture. And what it really shows is how we have, as an agricultural-based society, Mm -hmm. which we've been as humans for a very long time, a lot of the recent history is all about extracting as much value from that land as possible to a point now where there is no more value in that land. They have to inject value into that system for it to produce. Okay, But there are farmers who understand that you can make soil rich again, so rich that the land is regenerating itself and creating more wealth within that land to create wealth within what grows from it without having to in- constantly inject things from the outside. Mm-hmm. Now, think of that little piece of land that's supporting that little seed that grows into that corn and then say, that is my community that I'm growing, that I'm building it. Okay. That's where my hotel is. That's where my worker lives. Mm -hmm. That's where the water comes from that supports this community, which supports this hotel. And that's the whole system's approach to how you build what you build. Mm -hmm. And your role as a steward of that land and that place and that ecosystem and that community for the time in which you're there. Well, I got my learning moment here already. I never thought about the difference between sustainable and regenerative. Of course, in my mind, what I, you know, what I have in mind is regenerative. But what you're pointing out is that sustain, you know, I can be sustainable but still not be regenerative, right? To get that right. Yes, you can. I I believe so. Although, you know, some people think that they are still doing all those things and they were part of their regenerative model. And if they are, I'm all for that, okay? If creating healthier ecosystems is part of your definition of sustainability, great. If regenerating soil and water and community and being non-extractive is part of your definition of sustainability, love it. For me, it's a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Because the word sustainable says maintain. Maintain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, and words matter, as we have seen recently. 
What's the matter? Huh? They affect how we think. And so regeneration, I think, says to people, and it's hard to say at first. At first, people stumble over that word. Yeah. But once they get it, mm. they get it. They really get it. Fascinating. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Okay. Very valuable lesson. Thank you. Thank you so much. So just from a metamorphosis, how did that happen? I mean, from bio to, to really getting to that part of where you said the, the regenerative travel is the right thing. What what happened to you for you to, to get to that point? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was a journey, as I described, of moving from realizing we got to conserve and what conservation means, not just at a meta level, like saving, you know, a, a, a big, huge track of land so jaguars as a umbrella species could have more space. But what that means from a personal level, like a reusable water bottle, right? And uh, all the tiny little actions that we take on a day-by-day basis and how those affect things at a larger scale and then being a good example of that to then moving from a conservationist to understanding the social impact part of it. And you see so much of that evolving right now with the whole social justice movement, whether it's you know women, whether it's minorities and people of color and the Black Lives Matter movement on down. Those are not sustainable. You had to go through some change there. Mm-hmm. So I think travel, just because it's a business I'm involved in, is part of that evolution, mm-hmm. um, me personally and cultural. Mm-hmm. That was a good breath. I loved the way that you breathed into that. <laughs> All that yoga has got to pay off eventually, right? Okay, it's a, pra- so it's a practice. So I'm just going to let this sink and put this on the side burner and okay. come back to you around that um, sometime when I've digested it. Okay. A bit more. Um, so this applied to your to your property, to your business now. Yes. You have 12 units, I read, right? Yes. Now, between you and me, talking about, can I use sustainability, though? You can use the words you want. That's fine. Um, if it's hard for you to say regenerative, it's okay. <laughs> it's like, is that still okay to say that? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But is it, can you financially sustain it? I've always, you know, I've come across a lot of the lodges and the smaller places, but I know from classical hotel business, anything under 50 rooms, how do you, yeah. how do you sustain yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think Playa Viva yes. is, is different. I mean, look, I, not having been a hotelier, I agree with you. I would never have started a hotel with five rooms when we originally started, um, much less eight, which we had after that, much less 12, which we're running on right now. Getting closer to the 18 that we're about to be, uh, we're uh, almost done with a fundraising round to uh, get the money to do, to build additional tree houses. Um, is it sustainable? The, the answer is, you know, like any other business, you, you know, you've got your your income and you got your expenses and obviously where they hit there's break even. And so when we started, we started this journey back in 2006 when we bought the land, 2007 when we hired the Regenerous Group, 2008 when we opened. Well, remember what happened in 2008. Ugh. We had global economic collapse. Mexico got hit by H1N1, which was a little mini pandemic. 
Tourism was down by 50%, and Mexico was at the height of drug lord wars. So we, our original business model was to do fractional ownership and sell second homes on the beach and create a community, mm-hmm. a regenerative community. Well, people were losing their first homes. They weren't investing in second homes. And so we converted our model homes into boutique hotel. Mm-hmm. And we also weren't sure if our little regenerative hospitality model would resonate with people, but it did. And we grew and it did. And we grew and it did. And so we are now at a point where we are able to reinvest our profits into regenerating our own project. What does that mean? We used to have a part-time permaculture person come in once a month or 10 times a year and work with our local farmer people. Now we have a full-time person living there on staff. Before our GM used to manage a lot of our social impact project. Now we not only have our second full-time social impact person, but we have a person in charge of education with the community, a person in charge of the turtle sanctuary, and an entire team around them that supports them. So, And we've been able to reinvest in upgrading our uh, inventory just from profit. So, you know, when COVID hit, our business was very resilient because of the investments we had made and the way we were running our business. So what did that mean? That means that our farm, which was producing food for the hotel, could then produce food for the community. So that's a yes. Our community who was working for us, we didn't get a PPP as they did in the U.S. where we got a loan to keep our employees afloat. No, the government required us to keep all of our employees on. Okay. Okay by legal status. But what did our employees do? Our employees saw that we weren't extractive. And so they took voluntary pay cuts. They took voluntary furloughs. They took time off without pay because they felt that they were part of the hotel. See, that gives me goosebumps. I think that's fantastic. Okay. And what were we able to do? The kids in the community who didn't have internet access, our education specialists could still hold classes outdoors and keep these kids going so that they wouldn't fall even further behind. And the turtles, they keep being born. So we got to keep, you know, protecting them from the poachers and from the predators. So we were able to keep operations going. The other thing is we realized through relationships we had that Playa Viva was exactly the kind of property people wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Large amount of space, 200 acres, small number of rooms, all outdoors, health and wellness oriented, little interaction with people in crowded elevators or air conditioned spaces. And so, you know, we just had our third best January ever. Okay. I'm packing my bags. <laughs> At the high, you know, that's at the, you look at all those numbers of COVID numbers and January is like the peak of the peak. Mm-hmm. And we are still doing well as a hotel. Wow. So resilience is a big part of regeneration. And by creating resilience within your system, mm-hmm. it protects you. I mean, that's how nature works, right? Mm-hmm. It's not monoculture. Mm-hmm. And thus, you create more resilient systems. Mm -hmm. So 
when you ask me the question, are we profitable? I think the answer is we're well on our way to a really nice profitability because we do have clients who, once they stay with us, can't vacation anywhere else. That's, well, that's how the whole regenerative travel network started. Yeah. That's fantastic. You have to tell me about the network afterwards. So what is your, why do people come to your property? What um, is it that, is it the concept? Is it the people? Is it everything? Just a magic mixture? Yeah. The comment that we, that I've heard once and I quote a lot is you check all my boxes, even boxes I didn't know I had. Right. It's everything from the being immersed in nature. I don't know about you, but I, every, every hotel room I stay in has got a refrigerator in it. And I have to listen to that refrigerator clunk on and clunk off and buzz around. And it's like, why, you know, I'd rather listen to nature. Right. And open the windows, and I mean, I'm right. you know, I'm European, so this whole air conditioning, not opening the windows, gives me the <laughs> right. So people all over looking for that, but there's also, let's say, a sense of community. We can't do this during COVID, but you know, all of our meals are served family style, and they're served around a big table. Why? My wife, a lot of this goes around our same values. My wife and I, like, you know, we took a long trip, went all the way to Australia, a friend's wedding. We went all the way to, like, the Barrier Reef, planes, trains, and automobiles to get there. And you get there, you walk into the restaurant, and it's table for two, table for two, table for And, like, all these people went all the way around the world or halfway around the world to get here, just like you did. Isn't there something about them that would be interesting? I mean, I understand that we're there for to be there as a couple. We got plenty of opportunity for that. Can't we break bread with these people and enjoy and create community while we're here? And there's so much just about architecture that creates community. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of what we do is around creating meaningful community. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you read this on our website. Part of the regenerative process is creating a set of core values and letting mm-hmm. those core values or core principles direct mm-hmm. you. So, our core values are now down to five. They were seven. And the first one really was a consolidation of many of them, which is around water, energy, and waste streams being more abundant, more renewable, more transparent. Then they are creating meaningful community, which I just talked about. Then there's promoting biodiversity, creating transformational experiences, which I think from your hospitality background, you get fully, but there's a lot of meaning in that. And then the other one is creating a living legacy and really thinking about what we're doing and the impact that it has for seven generations. Mm -hmm. So back to the original question, there is no one magic bullet about what we do. It's not the service, but it's this service and the experience Mm -hmm. that comes from the totality of being there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's, there could be other things. It's, you know, walking out on the beach first thing in the morning and releasing baby turtles and seeing them instinctively go into the ocean and then looking left and looking right and seeing nothing for as far as the eye can see, but know that you're only 40 minutes from an international airport and Playa Viva is arranged to have your COVID antigen test taken right there at Playa Viva, right? I mean, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you about service. Well, and the totality of it, it's always, the sum is always more than, what is it? The whole is more than the sum of its parts, right? And then you walk away and it's not that one thing. Of course, you want to try at least to dissect, you know, what are some of the ingredients? And then, of course, you have to inject your own breath, you know, the own spirit to make it all come together and really, and really work. 
Um, there's an, there's another saying, Colleen, who's our head of social impact, uses, which is Playviva is not just a hotel. It's an entire project. And we're in the process of producing a video around that because it really is hard to understand and know all the layers of the onion that are involved in what we do and why we do what we do and how it's regenerative. So, so this is why guests come. And of course, this, this is sustainability as well, because, you know, all of your regenerative travel uh, approach won't last if there are no guests coming. Right. So, so this is what the guests say. But then you also said that your, your staff is obviously completely on your side. So how do you do that? Is that the sense of community? Is that, is that the thing that creates the bond between your staff and the project? Or is there other, you know, the, the last few years, what, what I worked on is primarily leadership. So what is it about your leadership that creates, what is it that you or your, I, I know you have a, a, an operation general manager, all ladies, if I, if I got this right. So this, I, I like that. Yeah. So what is, do you set a tone for the leadership within and throughout the project? If I had to define my leadership style in any way, I would basically go back to an example that I use with my team, which is when you walk into a meeting, if it's just two people or entire group, instead of saying, okay, what happened? What went wrong? Is walk into that meeting and say, how can I help? Go in respecting your people and their ability to problem solve and be part and act as, as part of the team. Because the moment you walk in and say, okay, what went wrong? You just get finger pointing and blame and negativity. And when you walk in and say, how can I help? People open up and talk about their issues and their problems mm-hmm. and address them. Look, you know, we're not perfect. Yes, we do have a badass group of three women who run the business. Julia Garcia, who is from this little tiny town of Huluchuca and left to go work at Club Med and traveled around with the world with them, was trained by them, speaks French, speaks English, and came back to her little town to help regenerate the community. And so has a wonderful experience in hospitality. But we were also growth for her because she had worked in F&B but hadn't worked in back of house and all the other elements of of making good hospitality. The other core women on the team is Colleen, who is in charge of social environmental impact. And then Amanda Harris, who's in charge of permaculture, regenerating the environment farm to table and and all that. I, I would say the other thing related to team that came to mind when you said that is, for example, we just invited a group in who's working with us on a project to Originally, they came in to work on sustainable fisheries, but then we did a ride up the watershed with Colleen. When we came back, they were like, forget the sustainable fisheries. We'll get to that. You guys have a great thing going in the watershed here. Let's do a watershed impact project. And so they came in and they brought in resources in education and water and other things. And we were having all these meetings. And then they said, okay, let's get together with all of your team. We had a a complete team meeting uh, and to explain what we're working on. And so, you know, everybody sat down and talked about what we're doing and really engaged them and said, we're here from the outside, but this is your community. What do you need? What are your problems? How can we help? And to go into these 
you know, you think about East Africa or, you know, some of these communities you're thinking about going into. When somebody from the outside comes in and says, what do you want? What do you need? How can we help? And they're not the government and they're not there to give you a handout, but they're really there to find out what your issues are and your problems are. And you know what they are, right? Access to clean water, access to good health care, access to good education for their kids, economic opportunity, right? But others that come along too, that you'd be surprised about. But what surprised me was how the members of that group spoke out without fear about what they wanted. And our general manager stood up and said, we learned by example that sometimes you got to do a little bit of good because everybody's always expecting bad. Mm-hmm. And once you start doing a little bit of good, it has this domino effect. I mean, they didn't use those exact words, but that's basically what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't prompted. And hearing that, and you've got connections in Mexico. You know, this was a colonialized community that's been emotionally battered as a culture for so long. And for them to, to have that perspective and that attitude, that is why we have that support from the community. And that's why when you know they come in as employees, they're supported by their teammates to realize that this isn't just a job. Mm-hmm. This isn't just another little hospitality hotel thing that they're at. This is something that's engaged in making their lives better. And they get engaged in making the experience better. Did it take time to win the trust? Oh, without a doubt. And I would say it's not, it's not, it's never over. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think there's a whole allegory that I tell, and I won't bore you with it, about fire and water. But, you know, so many of us come in as Westerners thinking we know better and we come in from the outside to solve their problems. If things go poorly, we can just pick up our stuff and go back. Mm -hmm. But they're there. That's their community. And we have to realize that when we come in, that we're part of that community. And how do we become part of that community? And that takes a long time. Mm -hmm. it's It's a process. There's another concept within regeneration called co-evolution. And uh, it's one that I didn't get right off, but the more time I spend there and I talk to Bill Reed, hey, David, that's co-evolution. I'm like, yeah, you're right, Bill. So I I think that's part of how we need to look at when we do go into communities as hospitality is the role of Mm co-evolution. I like that. No, I have so many. I'm more getting questions. all serious. We're, we're, this is hospitality. We're supposed to have fun. Uh, well, that, that's okay. That, uh, you can, it's not always fun. But you gotta love it, right? You, you love it, and, and it's it's intense. It's intense. I like that a lot. And I know you've given me an hour, and I have about ten minutes left of that hour. Now let's see. My main questions, and that is, you know, to satisfy my own curiosity, but also hoping that assuming that others hoteliers will listen to this, to our conversation on the way of people development. I know that you have, you're teaching kids, but that's, you're helping them in school. Is that, is that right? Somebody is actually functioning as a, as a teacher in a local school. Did I get that right? Yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of challenges related to education in these small communities with really bad schools, bad teachers. I hope they're not listening. And poverty among the kids. I mean, we have a, a, a program 
called Adopt a Student. And the reason we have it is even though school is free in Mexico, you have to buy the uniform. Can't show up to school without the uniform. You have to buy the school lunch program. If you don't buy the school lunch program, you go hungry and you really can't go. And you got to pay. The school has like a little tuition enhancement program that you have to pay into as well. And so a lot of kids can't even afford that. And so we've put that together as a program. So we, we support education in many different ways and even adding to it an extent of adding art and music and inviting the kids into the hotel to take swimming lessons and to do yoga or to bring yoga to them. And they love that. And, and I think travel does bring an opportunity for those kids to experience a world outside of their own. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. One of the things that we do encourage, especially for families with small kids, bring your kids into town. Your kids, you know, are entitled children. Yeah. It, you know, for them to, yeah, yeah, to go into the homes of some of these kids, just hopefully makes them realize at least for maybe 24, 48 hours, you know, how lucky they have it. And do you, do you train your, your own staff? How many staff do you have? We last count, and it fluctuates obviously because of COVID, and it fluctuates because of seasonality. Anywhere from thirty-five to forty employees. Okay. So, and how do you how do you train them? We we need to do a better job of doing that. The problem is we're in a very rural community, mm-hmm. uh, so it's hard to find people, and so we have to bring people in. The other part is because so much of our business, at least fifty percent of it now is is english speaking mm-hmm. we need to find people who speak english who can interact with them mm-hmm. so we are trying to do more around training and we have you know some very simple manuals that we have with people but um it's something that we need to do a better job with but people love our staff i think we just pick good people try to give them some very simple rules around training mm-hmm. And how, what's, what service means. We try to get people who have, um, especially who are interacting with the guests who have some experience with hospitality. Not a good do you answer. Manage, do, you, do, you have, do, you have, uh, do you have middle management as well? Or are the three power women <laughs> running the whole staff? No, they, each one of them has a hierarchy within them. There's a head of the turtle sanctuary and then other people that work with them as volunteers. We have a head of housekeeping, head of maintenance, the chef who's in charge of the kitchen. There are individual teams there. So, and, and then it's the head of maintenance and the head of uh, keeping. They never worked at a hotel other than Playa Viva. We're the only hotel experience they've ever had. Uh, but for example, like we ask our staff to come stay as guests okay. and have the guest experience. And it's, like that? Well, they feel awkward at first, but, you know, they they'll say afterwards, oh, my God, like I didn't realize this or that or that. And now when I'm in a room and cleaning a room, like I'm going to like turn on all the lights while I clean it to just see if the lights have like a flicker in them or something like that. You know, it, it enhances their own experience. Yeah, yeah. So We used to love it. As, as Four Seasons employees, it was like, ah, oh, that was the greatest. We had this program as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, how the, that's, that's one way of learning, yeah. Now, 
assuming somebody wants to go into the into down the, the you know the journey of regenerative travel what would be the three things how do i start how do i get into this I, i'm thinking i mean and what i know for sure is that a lot of people say oh that doesn't pay off right all the sustainability all the eco stuff you know whatever they call it it's not paying off it's too expensive you have to put in water systems and uh, and what have you it, it it's too expensive that's one thing that i definitely have heard i don't know yeah. if you've, you've come across that but obviously you're a good example that even with all these investments yeah. it, it, well it yeah it's interesting i saw a video online from i think it was the us department of commerce or something during the Obama era, that was like this reality TV type show from the government. And what it had was Whole Foods versus the Marriott in San Francisco, the Whole Foods in San Francisco to see who was more sustainable. Okay. Right? Who, who do you think won? Sustainable by what? Just by sustainable, by sustainable means. You know, they went in and each one of them, you know, the Whole Foods people would go into Marriott and see what they're doing. The Marriott people would go to Whole Foods and see what they're doing. And then they would score each other. Who won? Well, by the way you ask, I'm going to say the Marriott. <laughs> exactly. Right. Because you would think Whole Foods would win. Right. The Whole Foods people were blown away by what Marriott was doing around heat recapture, around lighting and lighting management, about refrigeration and, and leakage from refrigeration, all these things that Whole Foods wasn't managing well at all. Yeah. Why? Because at the end of the day, these are good for operations, yeah. not wasting energy, not wasting water, reducing your waste stream, all that stuff. It's good for business. Yeah. So if somebody's going to tell you, oh, putting water systems in is too expensive, wait till you don't have any water. Right. And when you have no water, how expensive is it because your guests are not coming to your hotel because you have no water? Right. Okay. It's like saying training is so expensive. And what if you train your people and then they leave? And then, of course, the answer is what if you don't train them and they stay, right? <laughs> what is worse, right? So, yeah. as the last question, David. Okay. So, now one to last. It pays off. It's a meaningful, it's a, it's a smart business investment. But if I have my, just a, a small hotel operation, I'm obviously not catering with this group to the Marriott's of the world, but to, you know, people like, like me who want to have, a, you know, a, a small, medium-sized operation. Can you say, do this, this, and this as a first step? Is there an 80-20 rule where you can, yeah. that you would suggest? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, it's the paradigm shift. Am I going to build a monoculture where I'm going to have to extract the last little bit of value out of this land and then have to be pumping in resources constantly so that I can get corn out of this land? Or am I going to be creating healthier soil from the get-go so that I can grow what I have and continue to build the wealth from my own soil and it can regenerate. So if you decide to go down that path and say, no, that's the model that I want for my business and how I run my business and those align with my values, then I think, you know, download the white paper, start reading up about regeneration. If you're going to start your development or even if you've already started, do a, a history of place, as complete a history of place as you can understand the value of how it got to be the way it is so you can under better understand your value of where it's going. Create a set of core values that lead that. Some people call it a mission statement. 
it's a set of core values. I mean, we communicate those core values to our team, but they also guide all of our decisions. And then as you develop it, really look at the health of all those systems that you're dealing with, water, energy, food, waste stream, et cetera. And I, I think be transparent about nobody's perfect, but here's where we're going and here's our journey on how to get there. And hopefully, once you communicate that, people like you, and I really believe more and more, that's what people are going to look for in travel. Because, you know, when you get down to it, it's what I asked you early on, you know, why do we travel? We travel to have those one-on-one experiences with people and culture. And it's not just one way. It's not just what do I get? But it's what do I give? And what do they get? And what do I give? And those are meaningful interactions that happen when you truly connect to people in place. And if through hospitality, we can create those opportunities to do that, then it's through that cultural exchange that we create a better world. We had a president who talked about Mexicans being rapists. Well, these are my neighbors. These are my coworkers. These are the people that make your food, that make your bed. These are the people that serve your drink. Is that really who you think they are? Well, go and meet them and interact with them and find out why do we have an immigration problem in this country? Mm -hmm. And how can you be part of changing that at a person-to-person level? Because I guarantee you, all those people, they prefer to stay in their own communities. Mm. Huchuca, where Paiva is, you know, Mangoes are falling off the trees and wasting on the ground. And how much do you pay for a mango at your old foot? Okay. So that's what I think travel is all about. And that's what I think we need to get back to. And if travel is about, hey, everybody, every uh, Tom, Dick and, and Harry and Jane and whoever, they just deserve a right to sit on a beach and drink a coconut and eat a cheeseburger with avocado on it. I don't think that's what travel is about. I really don't. I'm being well, preachy. Think, no, 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 not at all. I think you've given me for sure. And I think it's a, it's a perfectly perfect ending of this conversation, a vision of what travel is, not what it's not supposed to be, but what it, what it is. And I think that's, that's good. And I hope I mean, this is yeah. really the way forward. Huh? Cause I, I think the last comment I'll make is I, I see COVID as just a big wave Mm. in a tsunami called climate change. Mm-hmm. And this one affected people to people, yeah. but I mean, water, look at Texas, okay? I know, right? Right now. Yeah. And it's it's just the beginning. Yeah. So we need to be part of the solution. Right? We need to be part of the solution mm. in everything that we do, mm. especially yeah. travel. That's the way forward, right? I think so. Regenerative. Okay. Well, I'm going to do my, definitely, I've picked up uh, a number of inputs and I am so deeply thankful for your time and your patience with me, David. It's really been a very interesting conversation and I'm so glad I've jumped over my shadows and actually did this. (laughs) So I really appreciate this. I'm very happy we connected. Thank you. I'm going to work this through mentally and I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts and your experience. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I hope we stay in touch. 
We hope that our one of our next vacations is going to be to Mexico again. So I would love to to come see your community firsthand. Well, please do, because I would love to introduce you to our badass women managers and have you talk to them about training and share some of your experience with training with them and walk in and say, how can I help and be part of the community? But share your training materials with us, please. David, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Have a great day in San Francisco and uh, safe travels back to to the sanctuary. (laughs) Thank you. So what did you think? What a guy, huh? What an interview. I really enjoyed talking to him. So if you want to reach out to David, you can go on Regenerative Travel. He has an address at hello at regenerativetravel.com. If you're interested in the hotel resort, that's Playa Viva. That's info at playaviva.com. I certainly hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm certainly looking forward to the next conversation. In the meanwhile, stay awesome, stay safe. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.